Welcome to the Chicago Business Review, where we introduce you to some of the most successful and sharpest minds from my hometown, Chicago, so that you can find out the secrets that have helped these professionals achieve massive success. If you want to accelerate your growth in your personal and professional life so that you can do more, have more, give more, and ultimately live the life you've always desired, then sit back and stay tuned in because you are in the right place. I'm your host, Young Lee, and you are listening to the Chicago Business Review. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Chicago Business Review. I am your host, Young Lee, and I am so excited today for our guest. I know a lot of you listening are working on building your brand or getting your message out there for whatever profession you're in, because when you are a business owner or an entrepreneur or any type of professional, you specialize in that field and you are a marketer. If no one knows what you do, then it doesn't matter what you do. So I am so excited to bring on this week's guest, Jess Jacobson. She is the founder and CEO of Authentic Influence Media. And we're going to get very tactical today so that you can take home some actionable steps. And then Jess has some free gifts for you as well. But Without further ado, let's bring Jess on because I know you guys don't want to hear from me. You want to hear all of the great nuggets that Jess has. So, Jess, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being on. So excited. Thank you for having me. I'm super pumped. I can't wait to talk all about social media and, yeah, how you can really make a difference with your audience. No, you've been doing amazing things on social media. And so I'm so excited to have you on because I know a lot of people nowadays, this is a big focus for their business. And it's just going to get bigger as people realize that social media is not going away. There's always new platforms. There's always things that you can be doing, but there's a strategic way that you can be doing things on social media. But first, if you could let the audience know a little bit about yourself and what you do, just so they have some context, that'd be great. Yeah, well, nice to meet everyone. Um, My name is Jess, and I have a company called Authentic Influence Media. I call it AIM. And really what we aim for is to help entrepreneurs get their big message out there to the world. I believe that there are always people sitting around in pain waiting to find you. Like you have a unique solution and in a way that only you can deliver. And in order for you to really reach those right ideal people, you really need to be vocal on social media. I think many people find social media overwhelming. They find it confusing. They don't know where to start. It's just, and I get that. It can be something really strange to navigate, but it is, especially going into 2021 and beyond and what we've seen this past year, it's a key thing you need in your business. It's not something you can just gloss over anymore. And it's really what I'm passionate about because I feel like it's for free, right? Like social media is free. I mean, you could run ads, but the truth is like my grandpa, he, when he was alive, he owned a used car lot on the South side of Chicago. And when they wanted to get their marketing out, other than just word of mouth, they had to like buy a bench or buy a billboard or buy an ad space in a newspaper. Like it was all you had to pay. And if that didn't hit your ideal client that week, you were screwed. Like, so it was just a lot harder. And now, no matter what kind of business you're in, you can find your right ideal buyers on social media. That is so true. And a lot of things you just said, I wanted to just kind of recap. One thing you said in the beginning was everyone has that special gift that they are offering, but people don't know what you have to offer. 
And I think that's one of the big mind shifts that people have to have when posting on social media. Cause I know a lot of people that I talk to, they're like, Oh, people don't want to hear from me. Oh, I don't want to like bother people or things like that. But just that shift in mindset of, you know what? There are people out there that need what I am offering. And if I don't have it out there, then I'm doing that person a disservice. So just that mental shift there is so big. And then after that, you said, yeah, back in the day, you had to buy ad space. You had to try to get a commercial, which would be impossible. And now you can just stream from your phone and be in front of a huge audience. Whereas before you'd have to like reach out to the TV stations or radio stations or buy a billboard or a newspaper ad. So it's such a no brainer. And that's why we're so excited to have you on this week. Yay. So yeah, no. And uh, so I mentioned before about some of the things that entrepreneurs have issues with. But I think the biggest thing that most entrepreneurs are just stuck with is they're like, I don't even know how to start. What would you recommend for somebody that has no social media presence in terms of like platforms or just like what to do just as a starting out guide? So first of all, if that is you, that's okay. I think people like want to go into self beat up or overwhelm around like, oh, you know, I don't have it yet. So I'm already screwed and I'm never going to be able to come back from that. And I don't think that's true. Sometimes actually starting from the ground is a really big gift because you don't have an audience you need to pivot. You don't have an audience you need to not build. So if that's you and you're starting from zero, that is okay. What you want to make sure you do is understand your ideal client. And I think everyone thinks they understand their ideal client, but typically they're not speaking in their ideal client's language. So I'll give you an example. I was speaking on stage um, to one of my clients' mastermind groups. A lot of my clients have like big groups of people that go to learn from them that fly in from all over the world pre-COVID to learn from them, to experience them. And one of my clients, I'm always a speaker at his events. I'm kind of like a bonus in their community as someone who's like a resource to them. And I was speaking on his stage the first time I ever spoke for him a couple of years ago. And I was using some social media lingo that was going right over the heads of everyone in the room. And I had no idea. So I was saying, for example, you know, why it's so important for entrepreneurs on Instagram to focus on the DM. Like, and people were like, what does that even mean, Jess? You know, and that's direct message. If you don't know, that means like yeah. a private message, a direct message. So, you know, that had gone right over their head. And I was like, oh crap, I didn't even think about the fact that some people in this room don't even know what that means. And I need to set that context. So a lot of people are speaking two, three, four, five, six steps ahead of what their ideal client even knows exists. So you really have to understand like, what do they know? Where are they hanging out? Right? Because I know depending on like, what my platform is that I'm going to focus on, it depends on where my ideal clients are. So when you're getting started, I would pick one platform and go really strong on that one platform that you can really give your attention to. And to pick that, understand where your audience is, and then do some interviews. This is something I teach in my programs is how do you interview your ideal client? And don't just send them a Google form, like take them out to coffee and record your conversation, get on zoom and record your conversation, actually talk to them about, Hey, if I was you, I'd be like, Hey, what would make working with me a no brainer? You know, like, Hey, what would make choosing my, my real estate company a no brainer over somebody else's and just see what they say. Like, Oh, if I knew I was going to get the best deal. Your person might not say that. They might say, if I knew I could like really trust you to help me like get the most quality place. Some people might be like, oh, I want to know, like, I want to know that you can help me like not only with this one investment, but long-term, like I want a long-term relationship. So it's just understanding like, who are those dream people? Because I think we all have 
clients that we are obsessed with and they're the best. And after you're done working with them, you're like, oh, that was amazing. And we all want our businesses to be completely packed with those kinds of people who we love. And the more specific you can speak to them and the more you understand what their problems are beyond just what we offer, beyond social media, beyond buying a home, beyond needing to get in shape, whatever your business is, the more you can understand what they need in their life and what they're going through and what's real for them, the better you are going to do. I think that's why, especially in today's like even political climate, certain people are exceeding and certain people are not because some people are out of touch. They're not, they're refusing to acknowledge certain things and people can be turned off by that. Just as much as, you know, we think, oh, we don't want to polarize. Maybe you do want to polarize. Maybe it's better for you to turn some people off because when you're turning a couple people off, you may be turning the right people onto you. Like, oh, that is someone I want to work with. So you've got to understand your ideal client is the first step. Pick one platform that you can really go all in on and then understand like what, what they want, what they need with what you create and what roadblocks they might have that you can start to provide them valuable content with. And then also like what else is going on in their life? What's real for them right now? This is a really challenging time for most people. And how can you show up in a way that serves them in other areas too? Man, that was a lot of great information. So that was very helpful in terms of first, pick your ideal client and then figure out what they want and target a message to that. And you gave great suggestion about like interviewing them. Like you have these people that you've worked with that you love the experience and Probably they also enjoyed the experience. And so why not lean on them and use them as a resource? Because if they like certain things, if they liked, you know, either the way that you treated them or the result that they got, just try to pick their brain in terms of what it was that motivated them to work with you and tailor that message so that you attract other people like that. And the other thing I feel like a lot of people have a problem with is they're like, oh, I don't want to turn people off. And you mentioned that as well is like, in order for you to find your group of people or your tribe or your ideal avatar client, you inevitably are going to turn other people off because if you serve everyone, you end up serving no one. So make sure you know what your message is and what you want to attract and put that out there. So that was so helpful, I thought. Yeah. Thanks. And I think too, with the turning people off, it's like, I think we just have to stop thinking that everyone's going to like us. This is a problem in our society. This is a, something we teach our kids like, oh, don't, don't be like that. Be nice and polite to everyone. You do want to be nice and polite, but you also don't need to like everyone. You don't need to please everyone. Like this is something that's a greater issue, but especially when it comes to marketing, like you do not need to please everyone. And you can have more than one ideal client. So like, I'm not a fan of spending $5,000 or $2,000 on an avatar course where they have you create a fictional person. And this person, you know, you've probably seen it. It's like, oh, my yep. ideal client is Matthew and he's a uh -huh. father of three and he lives in Lincoln Park <laughs> and he works at a startup. And it's like, okay, have you even ever talked to Matthew? Like, is this a real person? And yeah. they have you like try to get in their head. Why would we ever do that? Just find the person that you like and interview them. Like, you know, and you can have different people. Like I have like multiple different clients that I go back and interview all the time because they've actually worked with me. I love them. Or I had one ideal client that I'd been trying to land for like two years and the timing was just not right. Right. But I wanted to know like, what would make working with me a no brainer? I'm like up leveling. I want your type of person. You're fabulous. Like, how can we make this work? Like I want to get in your brain. And she did an interview with me. I interviewed her for probably like 20 minutes. And it was an amazing interview. We had so much fun. And by the end of the interview, she was like, I want to enroll in your program. Like it wasn't even a sales call. We were just talking and I was getting to know her. And then after she enrolled, first of all, I sent her a gift. I always like to give someone a gift if they're doing something like that for me, which is just straight up like giving me their time for their knowledge. 
of this type of stuff, sent her a gift, which she loved. And then she was set up for such a win with me because I knew everything she wanted. Like I knew what was holding her back. I knew what her vision was. I knew what would make social media a no brainer for her. And I really understood like, this is going to sound weird, but what was her favorite show to binge watch? Because then when we had our first VIP day, I emailed her stuff and sent her a funny like little gif of the Gilmore Girls, which was her favorite. Uh Uh She forgot I even asked her that question. And she was like, this is so crazy that, you know, Gilmore Girls is my favorite. I'm like, yeah, you told me like, and I remembered, you know, it's a relationship building. So I think that like, just to, to highlight that, just getting people on the phone, taking them out to coffee, spending that quality time with them and asking them like, also one thing that it was so, was so valuable to me when I started this process was asking my clients what was the most valuable thing they got from me. It was different than what I thought it was. Mm. Like it was totally different than what I thought it was. So it's like, yeah, I know that I'm valuable to them in other areas, but what do they find valuable from me? And now like a lot of my business that I'm building out is based on what all of my clients, agency and program side are saying is the most valuable thing to them because that's what matters, not what I think it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, (laughs) that was another incredibly valuable point in that like a lot of us, I feel like get stuck on what we think is best for the client or the consumer, but we need to focus and listen, like you were saying, in terms of what they want, because what they want might be completely different than what we think they want. And so just listen, ask the questions. And then when they tell you, because you even mentioned you thought like, oh, uh, my value is this to this person. But after talking to them, they valued something completely different. So and you would never know that if you're not listening, if you're not asking the questions and you're not constantly evaluating, but evaluating from the people that you ideally want to work with. Because if that person is a certain way, then most likely the next client that you want to work with has some similarities to that person as well. So that's awesome. I'm going to start implementing that more about asking my clients, not just for reviews, but hey, you know, what did you like about working with me? So thank you for that. Now, if somebody has multiple platforms and they just don't know what to do with it, um, let's use me as an example. So I'm in real estate. So, and I have a Facebook business page and of course my own profile. And then same thing with like Instagram, but uh, I guess, what would you recommend? Would you recommend that people have their own pages or just their personal profile on Facebook? I guess we could start there. Like, what would you recommend on that? Yeah. So for Facebook, it really depends on what you're willing to commit to and like what kind of business you want to run. So for me, I do a lot of lives and stuff on my personal page because my personal page has way more buyers on it, ironically, than my... I never have focused on my business page. So that's where I'm focusing now. But I am starting next year, going to focus on some ads and also building out that page. So I'll be doing more there. So it's kind of like starting where you're at. You know, if you're, um, if you have a bunch of buyers or potential buyers on your personal page, I would say like start there. Um, for me too, I'm very vocal about my views about things. Mm-hmm. So I always, and I, I don't mind if people don't want to work with me because of that. Cause I also get a lot of people who, like I said, who want to work with me because of that. And for me, like my business is about like, changing the world and like me leaving the world in a better place and me being able to make lots of money so I can donate to things. So I don't mind having people from business on my personal page because I don't mind people seeing like me fully transparently sharing my beliefs. I don't mind any of that. Some people, they don't want that. And by the way, that's fine. You don't have to share everything. Like there are things I don't share too. So on your personal page, just beware Like if you are going to be sharing and you have family that you don't necessarily like want to see everything, 
and you maybe you have things you don't want like all of your buyers seeing about your family or your life. Like for example, Gary V does not post his children ever. Yeah. Like, does that mean that he's not open and vulnerable? No, he's super open and vulnerable actually, but he has that privacy that he wants. There is nothing wrong with that. So for some people, you might not want to use your personal page. Hmm. Facebook business pages right now are much harder to grow. They're they're almost impossible to grow without spending money. That's the only yeah. thing. So for me, I'm an organic content strategist. I'm an organic social media strategist, meaning like I'm not like an ads expert. I know plenty of ads experts and ads and, and organic are completely different mindsets, copy assets, like what converts through an ad is not something necessarily that's going to go well as an organic piece of content, just something to keep in mind. So if you're really ready to rock it out on your business page and you want to run some ads, even if it's just some small ads, then you can do the business page. Also, like, just make sure that you have two-factor authentication set up, just a safety tip on all of your platforms because there's like crazy hackers out there right now. And it's really hard to get your Facebook back. I know from experience, unfortunately. Wow. Um, so be really careful with that. But I would just say it depends on what kind of business you're in and where are your buyers. So my buyers, they add people on personal pages on Facebook. So I show up a lot on the personal page side. Now for you, for real estate, people might not be doing that. It's one of those things where you kind of need to interview your ideal client or because I'm familiar with the area that we live in, Facebook, your personal page might be really good because that's where people are hanging out and you get better reach on your personal page because mm -hmm. Facebook prioritizes personal, personal pages. Like one thing that could be cool for you to do if you wanted to, like when you launch this podcast is it could be cool for you to create a Facebook group of like local Chicago business owners, like a network where people can share like what they do and problems they're having or like some sort of community centered around being like supporting other local businesses and like networking, that could be a really cool opportunity for you. And then you're the leader of that group as someone who is able to help people find their homes. So then they're already trusting you. So there's many different ways you can do it. I think probably in real estate, if you're friends with a lot of your old buyers, your personal page could be great. Yeah, no, that was very helpful. So the difference I think you were saying is that like the Facebook business page you can use to like run ads, but you cannot run ads on your personal page, correct? You cannot. You cannot. Yeah. So long-term strategy, you will need a business page if you mm -hmm. want to run ads. And that is the best way to like get opt-ins into your email list. Also, if you're a local business, I'm an online business. So like meaning my clients are all over the country or the world. Like one of my clients is in Puerto Rico. I've worked with several people in the UK. Half my clients are in San Diego. Like I actually have zero clients in Chicago. Like <laughs> most of my network is other places. Uh -huh. So for me, like I don't like running ads is more of like a targeting psychographics versus like the demographics. But if you are a local business, like if you're local like you, I could see running ads being a super beneficial thing because you can really target like, this is the person I want to work with. This is where they live. This is the type of home or lifestyle they're looking for. Kind of like we were talking about on our initial call that we had too. Yeah. Like you can also target, hey, I want, I know my ideal client is just making this up. Like you yeah. could just be like, my ideal client is, I'm going to use myself in like three years. <laughs> my ideal client is Jess. She lives in Lincoln Park, which is where I want to live. And she has this beautiful condo. I'm just, you know, future pacing myself. That's right. And she goes to this local yoga studio and her and her family and and her husband and her kids want to move to Oak Park or something. Uh -huh. But I know that she hangs out at XYZ places. You can then look at and target me as someone who likes the page of local spin class or local yoga studio. And that's how you can also get some more people. If I looked at your page 
through an ad. And I was like, ooh, this content's really valuable. That's where organic comes in. Because that's the problem is I see many people spend all this money on Facebook ads and then they have no like valuable content on their business page. So you want to make sure your pages have content so that when someone comes to your page, they're like, ooh, this is for me. I'm being spoken to. I'm getting a lot of value out of this. Oh, that that was awesome. No, I thought that that was very helpful. And I'm going to actually look into starting that Facebook group as well. So you were talking about that you specialize in more organic growth for social media. One question would be like, how would you craft a good post to gain traction or get more interaction and things of that nature? Because I know a lot of people who post a lot and they're like, ah, I post a lot, but I don't get any interest or traction. So what would you say is like a good formula for trying to make a good post? Well, first of all, sometimes when people say that, it's because they're also not on social media. So social media is social. So it's not just a one-way conversation. So you could also have the best content ever, but if you don't go on and like engage with other people or respond to your comments, people don't want that. They want a relationship. Like Hmm. people will message you. And if you don't message them back, they're not going to message you again. Maybe they'll try two or three more times and then they're done. Like, cause they don't feel cared about, especially on Instagram. This is why so many people don't go on Instagram or don't make it on Instagram because they try to like pay their way through like buying followers or automation. And none of that works on Instagram. Instagram's personal. And that's why it's so powerful. And that's why 80% of people my age, millennials, look on an Instagram page before they ever buy from you. They will go to your Instagram page and suss you out and follow you and engage with you there before they ever buy from you because they want to know you. It's this whole thing about like understanding your buyer. So the first problem that people might be having is like, maybe they're posting great content, but they're not responding. They're not being social. They're not showing up and engaging with their clients or engaging with new people. And that could be an issue. So that's the first issue that people have. The second thing is crafting the most, there's no specific formula I have, but typically back to the ideal client, if you want your post to gain traction, and also let's understand what traction means. For example, there's different kinds of posts that you want to have in your overarching campaign, right? So I come from the ad agency world. I went to University of Illinois, Champaign-Urbana. Yeah. So did you. Yes, so did I. We got I and I. And um, what I learned there that's very valuable that I think is missed in like a lot of online business circles is looking at things and just in business in general, marketing campaigns, looking at things as a campaign. So you want to have different kinds of posts within your monthly campaign. You don't want to just put the same kind of post out every day because there's different results that you want. So like, what is the result you're looking for per post, right? So a balanced campaign has all different kinds of posts. I'll give you two examples. I don't want to go like so crazy, but (laughs) a post that is a call to action post or a sales post versus a post that has an engagement post, aka a post that you want to get engagement off of. So an engagement post could look like, for example, for me this weekend, I'm registering for my wedding um, bridal shower. And I'm going to make a post on my Facebook page and a story on Instagram that says, what is the best and worst thing you registered for in your bridal shower? that's going to get a lot of comments and messages. What that does is signals to Facebook and Instagram or whatever platform you're using. This is a relevant person. These people that are commenting want to see more from this person. But maybe the next day I post a call to action post that that post is all about my upcoming holiday workshop that I'm hosting and and like how you can complete the rest of your social media content campaign within one day. And it's all about that, like the workshop that I'm holding and and it's a call to action post. A call to action post or a sales post, a lot of times does not get anywhere near the engagement, the comments, the likes that 
a question post will get or that a post of your kids or yourself or something more personal will get. But the goal of that post for me is to get signups or to plant the seed like, hey, this is happening and like to start getting people seeing. I don't need a bunch of likes. I might get no likes. I might get two likes. And maybe I got 300 likes on my, you know, engagement photo, aka like me getting engaged. Engagement photos get good engagement. New baby photos, pregnancy announcements, all those things get like the engagements popping because people are like, that's the user activity. They're like, oh my gosh, I want this, right? Mm -hmm. So the key to like making sure that you have posts that gain traction are understanding the strategy. It's not just the tactic of the formula. It's like, what is the strategy behind my campaign? Like if you're looking at it day by day, how can you just bring yourself out to even one week and be like, okay, I want to get a engagement post, a personal or a values post, a sales post and a value add post, like whatever that looks like. And to get those posts gaining traction, like videos, it's about understanding the conversation that's going on in the mind of the person that you want to reach. So like, what are they really thinking? And is there a thought behind the thought? Like you can get really deep with people in those ideal client interviews and they might be like, oh, I'm not ready to buy a house yet because I haven't saved enough. And you might start talking to them and getting to know them personally. And then you might find out actually they are ready to buy, but they're really worried about the market crashing or they're really worried about, you know, that they're going to lose their job or they're really worried about, is this neighborhood or maybe they're having trouble in their marriage like they you don't know maybe they're going to open up to you in a new way and you can start to understand okay what are some other ways that I can say this and start to challenge the way people think you know what I mean a good hook is important like in your content meaning like what is the context that you're setting so understanding like, um, for example, like positioning. So how can you position the post better? Sometimes it's just not positioned correctly. So you might say something like, for example, for a social media post, right? About social media. I could say like how to get more DMs. You're going to be like, I don't care about that. Uh-huh. But if I reframe that and say the strategy, here's the strategy that had my client close an 18K lead in his dms you're gonna be like oh hey i want to know that yeah yeah so it's about positioning so you want to make sure i I just said a lot but the first to, to recap the first thing is be social on social media like nobody wants to talk to a bot like it's when you are just a bot on social media if it's the same feeling as if you call the airline and you're talking to a robot like it's the worst and i know that's the where the world is going but i do believe that their personal connection is going to like be something that's really really valued by people in the future and we do buy on emotions it's fact like if you look at any psychology book if you talk to any lead salesperson it's emotions that's what it is and if someone has a relationship with you that is the foundation of a great campaign a great social media strategy is are you in relationship are you showing up for them too or are you just putting out content being like oh, I hope someone engages, but I'm never there to build a relationship. It's relationship building from the foundation. Up from that, it's understanding and having a well-rounded strategy where you have different components that are meant to do different things and you just manage your expectations around, oh, my, my call to action post sucked. Okay, well, did it suck? Did you get some conversions? Did some people message you? Did some people sign up? You know, did somebody not comment, but they sent you a message? Hey, I want to see this house. Mm-hmm. Like that's a conversion. That's amazing. Yeah. Just unhooking from the vanity metrics, like that if right. something's successful, it has all these likes. Mm-hmm. And then also baking into your campaign, like some things that are going to get you some engagement that are also fun and valuable and relevant and making sure that you have all that sprinkled in. Oh my gosh, that was so much information. That's why you guys have to reach out to Jess. She is on Instagram. She's on all social media platforms. And we'll share her contact info in the show notes as well as at the end of the show. But some of the things that you said I wanted to retouch upon is social media is 
for you to be social. So if you're not interacting first, people don't like that. And secondly, the algorithm is not going to like it either because it's showing that you know, you're not communicating. The more that people comment and like, the more the algorithm shows like, hey, this is gaining traction. We should show this to more people. Whereas if you're not commenting back on your comments, then first you're insulting the people that took the time to comment for you. And secondly, the algorithm is going to be like, oh, okay, well, this is not that important of a post. Let's find a different one that has more traction. The other thing you said that was so valuable that I feel like a lot of people miss out on is not taking that step back and figuring out an overall strategy. So a lot of people will either just go for the engagement posts, so they just post pictures of their dog or their kids, and they never do the call to action post because like you were saying, that vanity metric or the insecurity of like, oh, I don't want a post that has like zero likes or zero engagement. But if you're mixing them up, Now people are interacting with you, you're getting traction through the algorithm so that the next call to action post is going to get more views than if you didn't set it up ahead of time. And if you just do call to actions, no one's interacting with any of your posts. Now the algorithm's like, you know what, this is just garbage content, so we're not going to show it to anyone. So having that sprinkled in, like you said, is such a great strategy. And I feel like so many people just do one or the other, but having a strategy or having someone like Jess help you with your strategy is so critical in building up your brand. So those were all so helpful. And then the last thing you said about the vanity metric or the insecurity that people have of like, oh, you know what? I don't want to post something that gets zero likes. But you know what? If people are seeing it and they see it enough, you're going to get something out of it. It's the consistency over time. And that's why you were saying not just one post, but take a step back, Look at it over a week or look at it as a month's strategy. And I know you have plans to help people build out that first week and that first month and things of that nature, which hopefully you'll share some of that as well. But uh, hopefully you guys listen to that because there were so many great nuggets in that advice right there. Oh, the other thing that's so great is what you said about the bridal party thing and asking the question the best way to get interaction is to ask a question so that people feel obligated to comment with a response. Whereas if you're just like, oh, I'm signing up for, you know, my wedding registry, you know, people aren't going to say, oh, sign up for this or don't sign up for this. So the way you worded it, as well as like the other captioning, like the wording, the hook is so important. So make sure you guys put thought into that when making your posts. It's eye-opening for me because I realize how much strategy is actually involved in creating this content. Now, how often do you suggest people who are trying to build a following or build recognition or a brand post on social media? This is a great question and it stops people. I think a lot of the questions of like how much, what time, what platform can really stop people. And so I think that for me, you know, I have different views than a lot of other people have and different experts are going to tell you different things. For example, Gary V is going to tell you, you should post a hundred times a day. <laughs> right. And I think that throws a lot of people off for it sure. Does. And by the way, I agree with him in what he's saying. The sentiment he's saying is if you really want to hit it big on social media, then pump it out, see what people like, like become a content machine. 
And um, I, I think that's a very smart strategy, but I also think that it's not realistic for everyone. So you have to understand like, what do you want to do and what can you realistically commit to right now? Because one of the things that people say to me all the time is like, oh, Jess, I was consistent for a month. I was consistent for a week. I was consistent for two weeks. And then I just fell off because I burned out. Or then I just fell off because I didn't know what else to say, or I couldn't do it. Like it's just creating social media content is just like when you're going to the gym and you're trying to build a new muscle or you're trying to do something and build a habit, like get up earlier for a morning routine or drink more water or eat healthier. You're going to fall off sometimes. You're going to have a hard time at first. So just give yourself permission to fail and don't make yourself wrong. Like, oh, I guess if I can't post a hundred times a day or twice a day or once a day even, then I it's not even worth it. First of all, you want to look at your business goal, right? So let's say your business goal is you want to hit $100,000 in the next quarter, right? And then you're like, okay, where is that coming from? And let's say you want to have three leads a week coming to you from Instagram. Okay. So then you start reverse engineering. So what do you need to do to hit that goal? So if you're just getting consistent to get consistent at first, I would say pick something that feels like it's a stretch, that feels like a little uncomfortable, but that you could commit to. So for some people, it's like four times a week at first. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm never on social media. I have no idea what to say. I am not going to be on the weekend and on Fridays I'm off. So I could commit to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And that's what I can commit to at first. And that's still a stretch for me. Then I would say, do that. If you're someone who's looking to like attract a bunch of leads in immediately, and you want to think about what is going to be the best thing to support you in achieving that, and then reverse engineer that. I like to say you should at least post four times a week, just because you want people to land on your pages and see that you're active. If you post once every other week or once a month, or you haven't posted in a while and people go to your page and they see, oh, because what happens is people, when they land on your page, what goes on the back of their mind subconsciously is what am I going to get out of this? Is this relevant to me? Is this important to me? Should I be following this person or liking their page? And if they see the last date that you posted was like a month ago, like, oh, they're not that active. Even if they love their, your page, oh, they're not that active. They jump off. So you want to just look at like, okay, what can you commit to? Try to commit to at least four times a week. And if you really want, like for me, for example, on Instagram, I probably post five to six days a week in my feed. But I post Instagram stories every single day because I want a certain number of leads coming from Instagram. And with my business type and what I do, that all happens in stories, sales and hmm. you know all that stuff. So I post a lot of Instagram stories all the time, whether I'm selling something or not, so that my audience is constantly connected to me and not just when I'm selling something. And so I know that's where my audience is. So you just have to understand like, what do you want? What are your business goals? Reverse engineer that. If you're just starting from nothing, then commit to four days a week if you can, or if you if you need to, three days a week. But you know, it just depends on what you're going for. Okay. So the biggest takeaway I see there is just the consistency. Commit to a specific number and then be consistent about it. Because if you try to do like a hundred in one week and then you don't post for another couple of weeks. It did you no good. So whatever it is, whether it's Gary V's 100 posts a day or four times a week, whatever you can commit to, make sure you commit to doing it and then do it consistently. Now, you also mentioned about posting on your feed versus stories. Could you post the same content? Do you feel like you should be posting different content on your feed versus your stories? Like, how do you look at like your feed versus like what you would post on your stories? That's a good question. So your Instagram feed is where you want to put your most valuable stuff that's going to stay there. So longer form videos that you can upload on IGTV that are a little more valuable, maybe posts like that you want people to see like swipe throughs, maybe like a personal post, 
you know, posts that you're okay with them staying there forever, they're usually a little more thought out and strategic versus your Instagram stories. You don't only want to post what you posted to your feed, to your stories, because the user activity is that they expect you to post personal things on your stories and they expect to see something a little bit different. Now you can still share your post to your stories, but that wouldn't be the only thing I share. So like, for example, if I make a post, I always put it into my stories with this little share button into my stories so that people who watch my stories can go and check out my post if it's going to be valuable to them. But I'm also posting more personal stuff in your Instagram stories, it doesn't really matter how you look. I mean, it doesn't matter. You don't, it doesn't have to matter in your feed either. But for me, like I'm a little more polished about my Instagram feed. And in my stories, I get on there. I go on little tangents. um, I riff, I share personal things. I share videos of my cats. I share myself, whether I'm super made up or not made up at all. Like I share a little more raw and personal and like every single day stuff Like, so the Instagram stories is like, you're kind of telling a story of your day. You're kind of telling a story of something a little more personal. You're, you're being a little more raw on your Instagram stories versus your feed is going to be more polished and strategic. Gotcha. Uh, And just to clarify for anybody that doesn't know, so stories, they go away after 24 hours, correct? Those are not permanent posts, whereas on your feed, it is permanent. So exactly. Yeah. And then and it's can, a good way. Yeah. There are highlight section reels now, like there's high, a highlight section in your bio where you can basically go back and pick your most valuable Instagram stories and put them in your thing and they'll last for like a year or two or something in there before they go away. So there is that option too. If you create an amazing, like I created a really great about me section. And then I always keep that towards the front of my highlights in my bio, because if people come to my page, like your feed and your stories are more for your current followers, but your bio and your highlight section are more for people who don't follow you to get to know you and understand why should I care. So I always put this little about me thing in all my clients' Instagrams and I teach my clients in my programs stuff how to do it. And it's just like an about me because then you only get so much space like in your bio. And then there's a little about me bubble that lives there forever. That's a fun, engaging tap through sequence where people can read more about who you are and decide like if you're for them or not. Wow. No, that's crazy. There is so many more questions that I want to ask you. So we're going to have to have you on again at some point, because I'm sure people are like, they're taking away so many great nuggets from this interview. I guess another thing I would ask is, what do you think is the biggest mistake that entrepreneurs make when they start committing to social media? I know we kind of talked about that, but if you could elaborate a little bit more on that, that'd be great. The biggest mistake, there are mis- lots of mistakes people can make. The number one biggest mistake is falling off and then deciding you're just going to fall off. Really being in the self beat up, the comparison mindset, the like, uh, I suck, this isn't getting traction, so I'm not going to do it at all. That is detrimental. You do not want to do that. Get back on, like, don't worry about it. Understand that this is a long game. You're going to figure out what people want the more you do it. You're going to trial and error. Don't care about how you look. Like, just do your best and be yourself. Like, do not just be a spouting person that you're mimicking your mentors or you're mimicking other people in your industry. Like, your unique gift is you. So, like, really just be yourself and understand that that's going to be the best thing you can possibly do. And then the other really big expensive mistake that business owners make is they um, buy followers. And a lot of times they don't even know they're doing it. So you might hire someone and they're like, I'm going to grow your Instagram. And they DM you being like, your content is not getting enough exposure. I can help you grow your engagement. I can help you grow your following. And all of those people are like, we have our own system. It's by hand and it's never by hand. It's always bots and it never ends well. And it's such a issue. Like, let me tell you, it's such an issue. Like I have to deal with this all the time with my clients. And like, it is the biggest mistake you can make other than like getting caught in comparison and not doing it at all is like getting impatient and wanting to buy followers because you need the swipe up, which doesn't even matter by the way, like Mm. you do not need the swipe up to make money. It doesn't do anything for you. 
Like it's not what you think it is. And then if you get to that 10K and you have the swipe up, but you don't have real followers, who is swiping up? Like nobody. Exactly. Up. And yeah. the algorithm then is like, oh, you are not relevant because now you have X number more followers and your engagement's not up. And paying for engagement is a mistake. Like just don't fall into the whole facade of like, you need these vanity numbers. You need all this BS to make money or be relevant. Like, please do not do that. And make sure if you're hiring someone to help you, you understand this. This is a huge thing. People are like, I'm going to make so much money. I'll never have to look at or think about my social media. Guess what? Like you have to understand this stuff because this is your page, your business. So you have to be protective and know that you're hiring someone or finding someone who can actually help you get the result you want in the long term and not just some like they want to make themselves look good a lot of times. So they put you like on these bots. And sometimes I'll message people or businesses like I'm vegan and I'll post myself at a vegan restaurant. Right. And I'm not doing the vegan thing where I'm just telling you I'm vegan because it has to come up. <laughs> I'm saying this because like, this is how this stuff works. Right. So uh -huh. I'll be at a V like handlebar in Chicago, mm -hmm. which is a vegan restaurant or a vegetarian restaurant and I'll tag it. Right. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, I'm getting all these accounts following me that are like vegan bloggers or vegan businesses. And what they're doing is they're automatically going in and automatically commenting on my stuff and they'll comment, right? And it's always a fake comment. You can spot fake comments very easily if you're on the app a lot or a fake message. And I'll go in and I'll message the main account and be like, hey, just wanted to let you know, I don't know who's running your account, but you are on a bot. Mm -hmm. Like, Somebody is screwing up your account. Like you really don't want this to be how your account is. And a lot of times people will message me back and be like, thank you so much for letting me know because I just hired this girl and she's, you know, supposed to be getting me real followers and I had no idea. So that's the kind of stuff you don't want to do. You might think it's a good idea. Like, oh, that's a good idea. I could like do this. Yeah, yeah. Instagram users are smart. They know and they can tell when a comment is fake or real, like it's very obvious when someone is doing this. So you, your users are smart. Don't buy into that. Can you manually do that if you want? Sure. You can go on the location of handlebar and look at who tagged it and go to their page and leave a genuine comment, or you can hire someone to do it genuinely in your mm -hmm. voice. A hundred percent. That is, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a great strategy, but it's gotta be like a real life thing and not just yeah. like a bot. No, that those those are great tips. Uh I guess I have I have so many more questions, but two that I just thought of was okay. one, you were saying like be consistent. Now I have a problem of and I know a lot of people might have the same problem like, oh you know what? I'm not that creative. I don't know how to think of new posts. Like, where would you recommend people go maybe to help them find, like, what are some resources where they can go? Like, I don't know, like they can check out uh, an app like Flipboard or like just anything where they can kind of get curated ideas or content that they can utilize to make posts with. Well, I think everyone, especially if you're a business owner, you're a lot more creative than you give yourself credit. Yeah. And I could tell you all these places that you could get curated information, but I will say the best thing you could do is interview your ideal client because right. if you're connected to them, then you will be more intuitively in the know on, on types of content. Like if you just give yourself an hour and obviously you can attend one of my workshops or join my program and we teach you how to become a content machine. You can literally like interview your ideal client and then sit down and, and block out a time when you do feel creative. Like if there's a certain day of the week or time of day when you feel creative, you just disconnect from everything and just brain dump pen to paper ideas. The other thing you can do is I have this like little notebook on my desk and it's a content pad. This is not a to-do list. This is not where I write down notes from calls. This is only for when I come up with ideas for content. For example, after this interview, I am going to spend 10 minutes, most likely, or even five minutes, just writing down some ideas of content I can create based on the questions you asked me. 
this is great after you have a call with a client. This is great after you get interviewed for a podcast. This is great after you feel really inspired about something. And I just have this on my desk all the time to remember right now it's blank because yesterday I shot for my podcast. So I had all these ideas from the last week of like podcast ideas, boom, boom, boom. My podcast also becomes social content. Another thing you can do if you really are like, oh my gosh, I have no idea at all. You can come up with a couple ideas around like what is going on based on the season you're in. So for example, the holidays are coming up. What do people struggle with with home buying around the holidays? What are the things that go through their mind when they're like, ooh, I really want to buy a house right now. The interest rates are amazing, but the holidays are coming up and I just don't know if I want to move right now. Like, is this even a good time to buy? Now everybody's buying, the, the inventory is low. What's going on in their brain and how can you make some relevant content based on the season? Like mm. for you do some projections, 2021 projections for the market. 2021 projections for the industry, 2021 projections for the different neighborhoods that you sell in. Like what are the best places to buy right now? Where are the best places for new couples? Where are the best places for people who are ready to downsize or upgrade? Like what, you know, understanding what's going on, not only with your clients, but also like in the season, literal season of the year Mm -hmm. is, really key. So I would start there even and then brain dump. But I just want to caution people from like doing these like templatized things. I have a couple plans that I sell that I firmly stand behind and have research, but a lot of them where you're just plugging and playing, it can be like detrimental in the long run because you guys are more creative than you give yourselves credit for. You just got to get get the ball rolling. Yeah, no, that was actually a great tip. Like, yeah, anytime you have a conversation with a client or um, something happens, you tend to just kind of forget about it. But those are opportunities. If somebody asks you a question, inevitably, someone else might have that same question. So thinking about, okay, how can I answer this question or make content that will be valuable for people that are thinking those types of things or having those questions. So that was extremely helpful. So as you guys can see, Jess is a wealth of knowledge and she has so many great tips. I didn't even get through like half of the questions I wanted to ask and we're (laughs) already almost at an hour. So I want to be respectful of Jess's time. I promise you we will have her back on the show and we'll ask her some more questions. So please, if you guys have questions, write a review, ask the questions in the comments, and we'll make sure the next time we have Jess on that we'll answer those questions for you. And please, if you guys found value in this episode, if you could like, subscribe, share it with somebody else that might find this valuable because everyone needs to have a social media presence nowadays because it is, like Jess said, free marketing. It might change at some point. So do not miss your opportunity to get in on this amazing time where you can get your message out there without having to pay for it. So Jess, thank you so much. If people want to connect with you, where are some places that they could reach out to you at? I'm happy to come back anytime. So just know that. Thank you. um, This is my favorite topic. I could talk forever, obviously, on it. But you can you can connect with me on Instagram. Um, My name is at Jess Jacobson, and my last name is spelled J A C O B S E N, not O N. That's right. Yes. And um, you could also I have a seven day download for you for your next seven days of social media content. So you guys have to check that out. We'll have that in the show notes. So please check that out. It is a free gift that she is offering. Do not miss out on your opportunity. She's going to outline exactly what you need to do. And then if you want more coaching, if you want to have a strategy call with her, reach out to her. DM her as she explained to you, direct message her on Instagram, and she would be happy to set up a time to go over what your strategy should be because she also mentioned you have to be authentic to who you are. So everyone has got to have a different strategy and a different message. And Jess will definitely help you figure that out and take that big picture view versus 
just trying to grind it out each and every day. And one thing that me and Jess have in common is we're always looking to be around people that can help accelerate the process. Jess can definitely help you accelerate the process in growing your brand. So at least download that free seven-day plan and then reach out to her through Instagram. Remember, Jacobson with an S-E-N. Send direct message her. She'd be happy to connect with you. And I think she is just so valuable and she is so knowledgeable about this. And you can see how passionate she is from all of the answers she's given. So reach out to her, support her. Please support this podcast. We thank you guys so much for all the comments and likes. But if you can continue to share it, subscribe, we want to continue to bring you value, highlight amazing entrepreneurs in our great city, Chicago. And uh, thank you guys so much for supporting it. But Jess, thank you so much for being an amazing guest and uh, for offering that to our listeners and our viewers. Do not miss that opportunity. And please pay attention for the next time we're going to have Jess because that one's going to be action-packed with a lot more takeaways. So thanks again, guys, for listening and watching the Chicago Business Review. I am your host, Young Lee, and I will see you guys next week. Thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. I truly respect your time, so I hope this was valuable to you. And if you're a new listener, then thank you for checking out the show. And don't forget, you can find all the resources, links, and show notes on our Facebook group, Chicago Business Review. Just go to Facebook and search Chicago Business Review so that you can find out all the latest info on future podcasts, get all the show notes, and network with other highly successful and driven entrepreneurs and professionals in Chicago. Also, be sure to contact me while you're over there and share any feedback, questions, or guest recommendations you have as well. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.